Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Mission View Church. So glad you're here this morning. My name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're so glad you came to worship with us this morning. Thanks for joining us online, everybody. We're in our Advent um, sermon series called Be Still. We have some invitation cards available. So if you have friends or neighbors or family members that you want to invite to our Christmas Eve service, we have uh, these invitation cards. They're great. They look really nice. You can hand them to a neighbor, friend, or family member and invite them to Christmas Eve. You know, it's a great excuse to invite people to church. So we want to take full advantage of that. Another big thing going on um, is... We're in the process of renovating our new church home down. We've just moved our church offices down Maple Street directly across from the new building. So uh, we're excited about that. I have some really, really exciting news. Um, If you don't know, Mission View Church was actually planted out of Maranatha Bible Church in Springfield. So um, they're our planting church. They've planted about five churches, and we're one of those plants. We're really thankful to be... um, uh, kind of a daughter church to Maranatha. The only connection we have with them is just the relationship. And, and I meet with uh, Butch Persley, the lead pastor there, about once a month. It's kind of a mentoring relationship. I'm so thankful that he spends the time and invests in me and in Mission View Church. Well, I had breakfast with Butch and Nathan Kursak, and, and Nathan's the, I think he's the missions director at Maranatha Bible Church. And um, during our breakfast, which, you know, I was just expecting to be a normal breakfast, they said that they had been praying about the renovations at Mission View Church and talking about it to their congregation. And um, Maranatha Bible Church was so excited uh, about our new building and the renovation process, they handed me a check for $10,000. Yes. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's so awesome to, you know, to, be, to have partnered churches in this, that we're not alone. You know, uh, we come up here every Sunday and we pray for other churches and missionaries. And we, we want to be a kingdom-minded people. It's not about building Mission View's kingdom. It's about building God's kingdom. And we want, you know, one day I want us to be able to do that exact same thing. Amen? I want us to be able to gather together and say, hey, we're sending out a pastor. We're going to plant a church and hear about what God's doing in that church, growing that church where we send them. And then we just get so excited about it. We just give, give them a bunch of money, you know. So I'm just so thankful for that. And um, I know we're in that. We're in the middle of raising the money for that. So you have um, the commitment cards that we have available. If you haven't grabbed one of those yet, it's called Project Base Camp. Uh, you can grab one of those commitment cards. And by the end of the year, we want to be able to announce um, all the funds that have been raised over the three-year campaign to pay for the renovations of our new church home. So we're really excited about that. And I just wanted to share that with you. Um, Andrew doesn't know that I was going to do this, or Allie. I'm so sorry to put you on the spot here, but I just can't. I'm just another thing I'm really excited about is I don't know if you received the letter that I sent out or the email that that came out um, telling you about our new youth pastor and his wife who are joining our church. His first day is today, and uh, Andrew and Allie, could you guys stand up and just so everybody can see you? you might remove your mask just for a second so you can see what they like. This is yeah, yeah. We are. Thank you so much. We're so thankful to have Andrew and Allie with us. Uh, over the last few months, um, I've met with Andrew a ton. He's probably sick of me already. But we, we, we've had lunch and we've, we've talked over meals. Um, me and my wife went out with uh, him and Allie and we've spent all this time. I am so excited uh, about the gifts that God has placed in Andrew and Allie. 
Um, it's amazing to see, you know, as you pray, you know, to bring on another pastor or youth pastor, whatever it may be, you pray and you pray, you're like, God, I don't know how you're, we're going to find anybody that fits the bill. You know, it's like, God, this is a big job and, and we had a lot of things going on. Our, our youth ministry is just skyrocketing. We had a record amount of kids on our fall retreat this year. 52, 52 kids went on our fall retreat this year. And I'm like, Lord, who, you know, who do you have in store for this? And God, you know what? God is faithful every time, every time. You know, I don't know why I get worried. I don't know why I get anxious. I don't know why I don't have peace sometimes. You know what I mean? And we're talking about peace today. So you can tell God always works on me when I'm talking about a specific topic or going through a specific text in the Bible. I'm always, God's always challenging me in that, in that area, Right. Why don't I have peace when God is so faithful? Well, peace is what we're going to be talking about. Um, peace is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary. It says, uh, peace is defined as a state of tranquility or quiet. Freedom from civil disturbance. A state of security or order within a community. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Harmony in personal relationships. I don't know about you, but I think all of us could use a little bit of peace about right now. Anybody been on Facebook or Twitter lately? Any, anybody dealing with the stress of, of uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas in a COVID pandemic? I mean, you think about it, and, and everybody's missing Christmas this year, or they're, they're quarantining, or maybe somebody's been around someone that's had a COVID, or, you know, my wife had COVID, and we had to quarantine for two weeks in isolation. Man, I tell you what, isolation is awful. It is awful. You, you miss everybody. You can't see anyone. And I, I just love to be around people. I love to talk about the Lord. I love to have those relationships and and really, the Bible, actually, one of the spiritual disciplines is that we have Christian fellowship, that we actually gather together. It's a part of who God created us to be. So anyways, I think all of us could use a little bit of peace right now. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. We're going to be in chapter 9. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Isaiah is one of the prophets that prophesied a few times about Jesus coming. And we're going to be looking at one of those prophecies. I think it's amazing that we can actually look in the Bible and see that God, some 700 years, 800 years before Christ ever came, tells us that Christ is coming. I don't know about you, that, that blows my mind. That is supernatural, that is miraculous, that is prophetic and amazing. That 700, 800 years before Jesus ever shows up on the scene, Isaiah is saying things like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I read that, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? I mean, there is no denying the divine prophecy right here. That, that a child is given, a son is given, a child is born, the government on his shoulder. His name will be what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. So there's, there's going to be a son born that is, what, is God. That, that's amazing. That is everlasting Father. That is Prince of Peace. We, it's a Trinitarian scripture here in Isaiah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
right here in Isaiah. I love it. It's amazing. This blows my mind. I hope it encourages you as well. Well, that's God's word for us today. Let's pray before we ask the Lord to reveal his truth deep in our hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these powerful scriptures like this one that, that point out your sovereignty, that point out your just divine appointment, that point out that you are God and no one compares to you. So we say that right now, Father. No one compares to you. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. And you are our sovereign God and Father. So we submit to your word, we submit to your truth, and we submit to you, Father, right now. We pray that you would move on our hearts, you would change our minds, that you would grow us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as I'm reading that scripture, there's just one thing, I, and I usually end my sermons with what I'm about to start with. I usually end my sermons with the gospel because it's just awesome and it's powerful. It's just a great end cap on any sermon. But today we're going to start with it because as, as our um, Jillian uh, and the Farbers gave us that scripture and the amazing Advent reading today. Um, it's the gospel. It is the gospel. And the first filling in your notes today is this, is that Jesus came and gave us peace with God. Jesus came and gave us peace with God. Now, the implications of that go really deep. There's so many different things that that really does to us. But let's think about that for just a moment, that we have peace with God. Now, in Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's think about this for a minute. If, if we had to be justified in order to, to uh, have peace with God, that means that, before that justification, we were in a place of not peace. We were, we were in a place of conflict. We were in a place of friction or dissonance. That we were and needed a peace with God. The fact of the matter is we are born into that place. The Bible says that we are born into sin. I don't know about you, but my kids, uh, when they were born, they came into this world. They didn't come into this world sharing and caring. They came in biting and fighting. Anybody? Anybody else? Oh, maybe it's just my kids. Maybe your kids came in. They're like, goo goo gaga. And they just share their toys with everyone. They never bite anybody. <laughs> Have you ever, has your kid ever bit anybody? <laughs> Yeah, mine has too. Oh my goodness gracious. That's a great conversation to have with children's church. I'm just saying, you know. You know, I, I remember that. Hey, Pastor Matt. Um, so-and-so. I'm not going to give my kid away. So-and-so. I've got three kids you can guess. But uh, anyways, so-and-so bit so-and-so today. <laughs> you know, that's always a fun conversation. No, they, we, we come into this world and our first word is no or mine. It's not, oh yes, please take my toy. Right? Or, Mommy, Daddy, I'm slightly hungry. Can I be fed? No, that's not how it works. We come into this world with a leaning or a bent towards sin. Amber, it's so good to see you this morning. I'm glad you're back. Amber's back from COVID. We're so thankful. Yes, I'm sorry. I just saw you sitting there. Been praying for you. We've been praying for you, Amber. So glad you're here. But this, this basic human struggle that is the product of the fall is something all of us have to deal with. It's a level playing field. God, God says it straight out. He just says, all have sinned. 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all of us have this struggle, man, this, this, this tendency towards, this leaning towards sin that, that this flesh inside of us is warring, is warring against the spirit of God that lives inside of us. This is this sanctification, this change process that happens by the power of God who lives inside of us. It's an amazing thing. The reality of our situation, all of our situations, is that we were born adversaries of God. We were born adversaries of God. We were enemies of God. We were consumed by self-righteousness, by self-preservation, selfishness, and self-worship. We were created to worship God, but instead we are born with this leaning to worship other things or worship ourselves. There's a great example of this and somebody who really got it. I mean, somebody who really wrapped their mind around it. God talks about King David as a man after his own heart. He doesn't say that about many people in the scriptures, but he says it about David. And David said this in, in Psalm 51. And this is, this is his lament, his repentance, his song of lament and repentance for the sin he had committed. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Let that sink in for just a second. That is a strong statement. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Romans 5, 1 through 11. I'll start verse 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is the gospel. You see, Jesus came and gave us peace with God. Because all of us, before Christ came into our lives, all of us, every single one of us, were adversaries of God. We needed someone. We needed someone who could, who could live up to that God-like standard, this perfect standard. And I fail. I mess up. And I needed someone, and, and you need someone who can live that perfect life. And Jesus lived that perfect life, and then he died a sinner's death for you and for me. He paid the price. He was our substitution. And now we are justified in God's eyes. And you know, here's the good news. Is that, is that when we go before our, our judge, our king, our God, our father, and we stand before him, and he's separating the goats from the sheep, and he's separating those who will go to heaven for all eternity and those who will go to hell for all eternity. He's separating those. When he says to you, what's your resume? What have you done to deserve my heaven? You know whose resume he's going to see? You're not going to pull out of your back pocket your resume and say, well, when I was 12, when I was 20, when I was 57, I did this, 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 and this. No. He's going to pull out Jesus' resume. And he's going to see the perfect, spotless lamb who gave his life for you and me. And hear me on this. You don't have to get your life together to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he gets your life together through the power of his spirit that he places inside of you. 
So if you don't know Jesus, if you're not trusting in Christ for your salvation and not your good works, you have to trust in him. We are justified by grace through faith in Christ alone. It's nothing we do. There is nothing we do. It is all what he has done. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your today, with your yesterdays, and with your tomorrow, and with your forever? He's the only one we can trust. And when we do, when we hand over our rights and we entrust our life to him, we find true and lasting peace. And we all need a little peace. That's awesome. But there's so many more things that that means for you and me. The second feeling I want to talk to you about is this. Jesus came and gave us peace of mind. When he gave us peace with God, he gave us peace of mind. In John 14, 27, God's word says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Andrew and Jillian read that this morning. He says, don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, we have a lot we can be troubled about. There's a ton of things we can be afraid of. Pandemics, politics, the economy, our kids, our health, our bills, responsibilities, our future. It can be overwhelming and can push us to our very limits. What a crazy world we live in. But this is what we know, that peace isn't the absence of troubles and suffering, but the presence of the one who controls these things. Did you hear me on that? Peace isn't the absence of troubles and suffering, but the presence of the one who controls these things. We get so caught up in the hardships of life that we forget who controls the ship. So how do we, how do we, how do we find this peace and, and apply it to our lives? Like, like if you've given your life to God, you've entrusted your life to Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit lives in you. How, how, do, we, how do we live in that peace? Man, if we could just wrap our minds around that. I want us to look at Philippians chapter 4 real quick. I think this is really important for us. I want to spend some time on this idea. In Philippians 4 and verses 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace that surpasses understanding? I mean, it goes beyond what we can comprehend. He starts out about saying, giving thanks with your requests. There's something about rejoicing, celebrating, worshiping God that changes our perspective that shifts our paradigm and, and reminds us what it really does is it reminds us of who God is, what He's capable of. So, in your worry, in the midst of anxiousness, worship and rejoice in the greatness of God. Now, one of the cool things about this passage, too, is that 
It does not say ignore your worries, disregard them. It says bring them to the only one who can do something about them with prayer and supplication. Don't ignore them. Bring them to God. This word supplication in the Greek is deesis. It's supplication, entreat, request, plea, to pray. God cares. He tells us to come to him because he cares. He wants to hear our prayers. He wants to have time with us. God wants to have time with you. He says, plea with him, entreat him, request from him. He's the only one who can work the miracle that we are desperate of. He goes on and says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. As I, as I have my prayer time, and even with the staff, we, the staff meets together and have staff meetings um, every Tuesday, and we start off with prayer. And we always go through our prayer requests with, for our congregation. And uh, so we're praying for you each week. And as we look at these um, sometimes long lists of prayer requests, it can be overwhelming. And so what, what we've done and what I've really been trying to do is start our prayer times off focusing our prayer around the goodness and power of God. Who he is, what he's done. You know, as we start prayer times, it's easy for us to get caught up in, in, in what we see in our minds as a mountain. It's, you can't even cross over it. It's, it's all of these prayer requests and all these things going on in our lives and in our world. It can, and we just, as we just looked at that, it was just be like, oh, Lord, how are we ever, could we ever deal with this? I don't know. It's just so big, you know, and it feels that way sometimes. And that's okay that it feels that way. But as we look into God's word, he's saying, come to him with thanksgiving, rejoicing that these requests would come, recognizing who God is and what he's done in our lives. When Jesus, when the, the disciples asked Jesus, how are we supposed to pray? Jesus, he said, well, start this way. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that for a second. Hallowed be thy name. That means that there's no other name like your name, God. There's no one like you. You are set apart. You are set. You are above all others. You are powerful, all-knowing God. Capital G, God. As we start our prayer times, that we would start focusing on who he is what he's done in our lives, even looking back, just taking a moment and looking back at what God's done in my life. What has he done in your life? Do you remember those answered prayers? The times that you were just so desperate, you were looking for something or someone, and God showed up and did that powerful thing in your life, answered that prayer, remembering what he's done. And then remembering who he is. Let's not forget that we are in relationship with the creator of the universe. That God talks to us through his word, through his promises. That he has proven himself over and over hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years. He has proven himself to be true and powerful and does what he says he will do. Reminding ourselves 
of who God is. Begin our prayers with, with thanksgiving. You know what? He's not some baby in a manger anymore. He's not some distant, disconnected deity. He is a coming, conquering king of kings and lord of lords, like Jesse said this morning. He's an ever-present, mighty, and powerful father. The only one who can give us real lasting peace. And that leads us to the last point in the notes today, and that's this. Jesus will come again and give us peace forevermore. Jesus is coming again, and he's going to give us peace forevermore. We are living and exist in between two advents, Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming. Jesus is coming again. Now that's really, really good news because he said he would and he's faithful to what he says. And this is really what all of us are longing for. This is what we are desperate for. The, the end of suffering, the, the end of the consequences of the fall, sin and death will end. We will see Jesus face to face and we will be reunited with those who have gone before us. Now, we have peace now because of what Christ has done. And we have peace of mind, but, but then we will know perfect peace, unhindered, unquestioned, and totally true peace because we will be with the Prince of Peace. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then... Face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. This is the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. That the kingdom has come, it's here, but it is not yet. There's a not yet peace of the kingdom of God. That when Jesus comes that second time, he's ushering in his full and recognized kingdom. That's what this verse in 1 Corinthians is talking about. And that's why we live in this friction, this dissonance, and we have this, this disconnect. is because we live in this not yet kingdom. That, that Christ has come, but his kingdom's not fully recognized yet. We, we have this struggle, and that's why we go through this process of sanctification and, and everything. We see all this stuff. We know what it's supposed to be like. We know what it will be like, right? The amazing, coming, conquering king, Jesus is coming again. Let's not forget that we know the end of the story, right? We, we've read, we've read the end of this book. We know what happens because God says it's going to happen. We don't have to wonder what's going to happen next. He sees, he knows, and he has a plan God doesn't anticipate. He orchestrates. Everything falls within his timeline and his provision. We don't fully understand, and it, it doesn't always make sense to us, but God is still God, and we are not. When he comes again, all of our questions will find their answers. All of our wonderings will end, and the Prince of Peace will bring a final and eternal peace. Who's looking forward to that day? Anybody? Man, I know about you, but I am ready for that. Let's, let's look at it for just a second. Revelations chapter 19. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. 
and the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. Wow. <laughs> That's a sentence. You, you, you could under, underline that one. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is coming again. All of the injustice, suffering, and wrongs we experience in this world will one day be made right. We know he is coming again, and that is our true hope. So this Christmas, as we've been preparing our hearts, we celebrate hope, love, joy, and today remembering peace from the Prince of Peace. And it's because the incarnation Emmanuel, God with us, that we can have peace with God, peace of mind, and peace forevermore. That's what peace means from God. Let's read it again in Isaiah chapter 9. I love this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Amen? Amen. So this Christmas, we celebrate the peace that we have in Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son. It's an amazing, amazing thing that you would send Jesus, your son, from heaven to do what, that we, what we could not do, to make a way, to make a way for us to be in right relationship with you. So this Christmas season, this Advent, we prepare our hearts and we remember the sacrifice that Christ made and its implications for us, that we have joy and peace that we have love, we understand your love through Christ. And we pray that you would deepen our understanding by the power of your spirit, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to, to know you more and remind us of that great sacrifice that Christ made and the victory that he had over sin and death, that we would worship you so much more and be more thankful for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen.